With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. You're conditioned to think that everything happens with the click of a button, but if you truly want to build a lasting brand, it's about 99% the hard work and then 1% of the red carpet. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hey, my loves, welcome back to The Lavender Lifestyle. It's your host, Eileen. Today, we have a special guest with us. It is Rebecca Minkoff. Before we get into that interview, though, I want to remind you to check out the 2021 Artist of Life Workbook, a guided journal to help you plan your most intentional and inspiring year with exercises on self-discovery, self-love, and life design. It's a tool to take you from where you are to where you want to be. So you can check that out at shop.lavender.com. All right, so I'm so excited to have Rebecca Minkoff on our show today. Embodying 21st century femininity in all its multidimensionality, Rebecca Minkoff encourages her audience to confidently own the many roles they occupy and their many moods and feelings. Since launching in 2001, the brand has established itself as a destination where functionality, modern femininity, and the current cultural moment converge. The collection spans handbags, ready-to-wear, footwear, jewelry, eyewear, luggage, fragrance, and a children's line, Little Minkoff. Through products, content, conversations, and experiences, Rebecca Minkoff is dedicated to creating the modern cultural and business narrative of togetherness and a shared success. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you so much for coming on to The Lavender Lifestyle. How are you doing today? Uh, The sun is out and I'm alive, so can't complain. That is great, (laughs) right? Grateful for just being here, being alive. First off, it's such an honor to speak with you. I have to let you know that one of my first nice handbag purchases was one of your bags. I bought it at like a Nordstrom in college. So it's cool to be able to have you on my show like this. I love hearing those stories. It's one of the most favorite thing that I, you know, get to experience when I meet someone is like they tell me their first Rebecca Minkoff and uh, it always makes my day. Yeah, I mean, you're, it was just such an iconic bag. I feel like everyone had, I think it was that morning after clutch, right? The, the little, little bag. And yeah, so awesome. it's very cool. <laughs> so I have to ask, how did you get your start in fashion? And tell me the story about your journey and growth. So I really became interested in fashion when I was really young. I was around eight years old and uh, it started just with me wanting a, a dress that I saw in a store window that was probably 20 bucks, maybe not even 20 bucks. And my mom said, you know, I won't buy that for you, but I'll teach you how to sew. And as a young girl, I was really frustrated with that idea. I just wanted the immediate satisfaction. But once she taught me, you know, the basics of sewing, I became obsessed and enrolled in uh, sewing classes and art classes and and just found that I loved the idea that I could take something 
in my imagination and make it in real life. And so continued down that path, you know, getting more and more experience, more and more training. And then when I hit high school, I had the opportunity to basically have all of my electives be towards sewing and costume design. So four hours a day, essentially, I got to focus on that and found that at 18, after I graduated, I didn't feel like I wanted to go to college. I had this overwhelming desire that I had to move to New York and I would figure it out. My brother was at a party in our town and came back and said, I just met a guy from New York. He's a designer. Mm. Here's his number. So I blindly called. I said, you met my brother at a party. I'll be your intern. And he said, great. When can you start? And that was kind of how I got my start in moving to New York when I was 18. And what he was a fashion designer, like, was it his own brand? Like, what was that situation? Yeah, his brand was called Craig Taylor. He made sort of men's oversized luxury shirts for women and had mm-hmm. um, a really nice size business. He was doing over $20 million a year, and he was on the road most of the time. And so the people that I ended up working with, his CEO and the, and the team were really the backbone of the company while he was sort of in stores every day meeting his customer and educating her and, and really selling selling these yeah. $700, you know, high-end basically boyfriend shirts for women. Wow. And at what point did you realize that you wanted to start your own brand? Did you know from the beginning or was it, I don't know, how did you find your way? I think that I started resenting people telling me what to do and how to do it. And I just kept having these thoughts of like, Mm -hmm. if it was my own company, then I wouldn't have to listen to anybody else. I would be able to make the decisions that I think are right and correct. And so on the side, I just began to work on my own line and started selling it at local stores and boutiques. This was just clothing Mm -hmm. at the time. And shortly before 9-11, I sent a t-shirt I had made to an actress. It was an I Love New York shirt that I had cut up and sort of DIY, which was a which was a trend then. Trust me. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> uh, I always feel dated when I say that because I'm like, who would ever want that now? But um, <laughs> you know, she wore it right after 9/11 on Jay Leno, and magazines oh, covered yeah. it. The orders came in, and that's really all I did for about eight months was was make that shirt and, and sell it, and it got my name out there in a way that I could have never imagined. Well, did you have other versions of that shirt since you said you DIY'd it? Like, was it a surprise that you got so much press? How how many did you have? Did you, you right? What was that process like? I mean, I didn't have any at the time, but when the order started coming in, I literally would bike down to Canal Street, pick up the shirt, go back to my apartment, make it. If, you know, we started offering a bedazzled heart, which again, was a thing, trust me. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. you know, I just went with it and I had one retailer it was, again, the beginning of e-commerce. And so she would just call me and say, I got yeah. more orders, go down, you know. And I'd say, I don't have any money. And she's like, come come get a check. I'll buy the first batch. And so we really just uh. worked in this environment that was just really beginning to be what, you know, what is normal today. Right. And I mean, I'm sure you've had so much more experience after that, right? Building your fashion brand. So can you let us know what does it actually take to build a fashion brand like Rebecca Minkoff? Well, the first thing I want to say is we are truly in an age where you can order your car on an app or you can order something from Amazon and it arrives the next day. And you're conditioned to think that everything happens with the click of a button. But if you truly want to build a longstanding, lasting brand, it's about 99% the hard work, the late hours, long view of how how much it's going to take to build a brand, and then 1% of the red carpet and the Instagrams and, and the you know, the fancy part. And so I think it's it's truly something that you have to love so much 
that it's okay that you don't make money for a long time. You have to love it so much that the that the game and the ride is truly about the mm-hmm. product and the impact you're making on your customers and those relationships. And that as the experience is what you should be going after versus anything else because the rest is gravy. But if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you're going to feel unsatisfied very fast. So mm-hmm. you have to love the design. You have to love your customer. You have to love the product and, you know, and view your career that way. And have you ever felt a point in your career that you fell out of love with your product or like, did you have any stumbling blocks where you just, because I'm sure it's hard to keep on for so many years. <laughs> have you ever thought to, to not do it or to, to do something else? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that's another thing that's unexpected is like, you sign up to do something and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And that might work for a lot of people, but sometimes you have different interests. You grow as a human. You want to expand. Um, so I've had moments where I want to quit. Uh, I've had moments where it seemed like the odds were that quitting was going to be the easy part. And, and I had moments where I was disillusioned with teams that I had or, or directions for the brand. Yeah. But I think – at the end of the day, I feel committed to the journey I'm on with my customer. And that's what brings me back is that relationship and connection. So as long as sort mm-hmm. of that's my North Star, then then the rest I just know is going to be the ups and downs of, of being in business. Right. You also mentioned that it, it could take a while to turn a profit. And I think for you guys, it took, was it 13 years that I read somewhere? Is that true? <laughs> and And how and why? So I think there's many different ways of building businesses now and many ap- approaches and paths one can take. So you can, and I and I highly advise any entrepreneur setting out um, to focus on building a profitable business from the beginning. If that means that you grow slower, that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, I think we all get blindsided by the women or men on the covers of these magazines or the unicorns you hear about that reach billions of dollars of evaluation. And so when we were, when we were, prioritizing growth over anything, it meant that we had to make certain decisions with our brand and just spend a lot of money mm-hmm. in order to grow. And with that, you don't make money. And, and you know, many tech companies will do that, right? Amazon wasn't profitable right. until the last few years because it was all about growth. Right. They're just scaling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, in your perspective, is that worth it for a fashion brand? I think it truly depends what you want to have. And we're in a time right now where everyone is sort of reflecting on what matters. So if you mm-hmm. want to have a lifestyle brand, and when I say that, not the items you sell, but if you want to have a brand where you can stop working at six, you can take a vacation, you can you know pay attention to your yeah. kids, maybe you're not going to grow as fast, but you might be mentally happier, you know, yeah. or you'll, you'll make a smaller amount of money over a longer period of time versus this go mm-hmm. at all costs, never sleep, never eat, never stop. And maybe when you're 50 and gray-haired and tired, you you have a big windfall. So I think people have to prioritize right. what matters to them truly and then build your company around that. Yeah. It's a good way to put that into perspective is like, do you want to live the life you want to live now? Or do you want to like work really hard to grow faster, but at, at what cost, right? So is that a perspective that you learned over time? Because I'm sure when you were younger, you're all about growth, right? So where are you now? I think right now I'm definitely about uh, trying to achieve as much as possible uh, a lifestyle company that I'm happy with, that we grow, that we have a connection to our customer, but that I'm not so exhausted at 12, you know, 16 hour days, 
never stopping, never sleeping, mm-hmm. never enjoying what we've built. And so my, you know, both my co-founder and I are really trying to make sure that we build something that also allows us to enjoy it. Yeah. And can I ask, if you think back at your career, what do you think contributed to your success of building such a, like a long-term brand? I think staying power, you know, at any moment, any, any day of the week, there's an invitation to just close up. So it's, do mm-hmm. you get right back up and, and keep going? I think I truly believe in asking for help, uh, not being ashamed of it. And relying on your network. I think I'm here because I kept asking if someone knew someone who could help Mm. me with X. And so I think that you need to have persistence. You need to not be afraid to ask for help. And you need to know who you don't know, but know who you need to get to. Mm. (laughs) I see. And I'm sure like building a good team is such a big part of it, right? So how do you find people that are good, right, to, to trust? So I think some of the common metrics, and I've made this mistake way too much than I care to admit. You know, you look at the resume, you look for the Ivy League school, you look for their past experience at at companies you've heard of, and then you just assume that that person's going to come in and own that area or know it so well. And so I found that I actually prefer to look for qualities such as hardworking or eager or looks Mm -hmm. you in the eye or has a great communication skill or doesn't have this millennial mindset of I'm too good for that. And I say mm-hmm. millennial mindset, not attacking millennials because I am one. Yeah. But there's a lot of us or a lot of women that we've hired that are just like, I won't move that box. That's not in my job description. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not how you build a company. I moved a lot of boxes. So please yeah. help me move the box. So I'd rather have a, tre- a team player that thinks like an entrepreneur. And that to me is more important than any Ivy League school uh, or any like, yeah. you know, doctorate degree they get in philosophy. So I think I think you also have to trust your gut. I've hired people that went, mm, something's off there. And every single time, you know, horrific things have happened with those, with those people. So trust mm. your gut. If you think something's off, it probably is. Mm, I see. And looking at how your brand has evolved over time, like how how do you think you've evolved over time as a brand? And where do you want to see your brand headed for the future? I think the brand has evolved in that I'm the same age and sex as my consumer. And so as she's mm-hmm. gone through all these life's moments, whether it's your boyfriend, engagement, marriage, children, career, family, you know, pandemic, I'm going through it with her in a very real way. And I think as far as an aesthetic, for the most part, we've taken some sharp right turns that that I regret. <laughs> Oh, can you let's talk about those after you're done with this? Okay. <laughs> yeah. We have we want to remain true to the aesthetic of it's a little bit of rock, it's a little bit of boho. It's that hard and soft, that duality that mm-hmm. I feel that we like to ride that line of. So you always know what you're getting from us as a brand as far as aesthetic and and that as she gets older, I'm going to be still able to connect with her and then simultaneously the challenge of connecting with with the up and coming women that are younger and have mm-hmm. you know I just got off a phone call with a woman who was like going deep on Gen Z and how it's an entirely different you know they don't want anything that maybe seems normal to mm-hmm. me so yeah. how do I how do I bring her along for the journey because it's not the bag that she's going to feel she, she needs differently but how mm-hmm. I talk about it Right. So before we talk about the future, let's talk about those sharp right turns that you've regretted in terms of aesthetic, because it is tough. Like, I mean, fashion is something that changes so quickly and there are trends that come and go. So how do you stay on top of everything? How do you 
right? Figure out what's the right next aesthetic to move towards. So we've had many times in our 15 years where, you know, in the beginning when we launched apparel, we thought the most important thing was to be editorial and to get uh, the Vogues of the world to finally notice us as a brand. And then when you step back and you go, I can't wear those clothes anymore. So so my girl's wearing her crossbody bag to a, a football game, but then to go <laughs> wear one of my pieces of clothing, she has to be on the red carpet of the Met Gala. Like there was such a disconnect in what we <laughs> thought we had to be in order to get press or editorial mm-hmm. respect that we completely missed the, missed the marker. When all she wants is a great mm-hmm. fucking sweatshirt, excuse my language, that makes her confident yeah. and feel cool, right? So I think we 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 lost ourselves mm-hmm. the first few years in in thinking something that we needed to have. And then we also sometimes, you know, I would say mm-hmm. 20 what was it? 2017, you know, I had a creative person come in and tell me that, you know, boho and rock weren't modern anymore and there was a fresher, cleaner aesthetic that was what we should be doing. And I listened to it because I was like, okay, maybe no one wants to wear a flowy dress anymore. Mm. And we just went down a path design-wise that was like, just she just didn't respond. And I had trouble going like, well, is that, would I wear that? And so when I say it's a sharp right turn, you know, mm. that process starts out and a year from when you start it, it, it hits the customer. So to go down the wrong street for a year, you know, it's not an easy thing to turn yeah. back. And we've turned back and now we're very clear and we'll never change our minds again. But you make those mistakes as an entrepreneur and you learn from them. Interesting. And also personally, I'm sure your personal style has changed over the past 15 years, right? So do you infuse your personal taste changes into the brand's changes? Or do you just try to stick to that essence of who your audience is? It's definitely both. I think Mm -hmm. that there's Rebecca Minkoff, the human, there's Rebecca Minkoff, the brand, and there's the point at which they intersect. So I'm going to, I'm going to give my customer things that I'm craving and wanting, and I'm going to give her things that I can no longer wear, but she can. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, never losing sight of what it means to be 26 and in your first career and what you can, or just moving to a new city and what that means for you and the clothing you want to have and the bags and then being the 39-year-old mom. Doesn't mean you're not cool. Just, you know, things things change a little bit after three kids. Oh, definitely. I'm sure. And also with the pandemic, let's talk about how that has impacted fashion, the industry, and also your brand, Rebecca Minkoff specifically. So it's been, I would say, the hardest and most rewarding time. I think in March we faced going out of business, frankly, because all of our wholesalers, you know, couldn't fulfill their agreements. We mm-hmm. had to pivot very quickly to become a direct-to-consumer brand as that's all we had was our website. Mm. The team was yeah. incredible. We we weathered through some of the roughest storms, and we showed that when we focused all of our attention as a group on our site, on our stores, the customer responded. You know, she responded to me being more front and center, not from an egotistical perspective, but it was clear that's mm-hmm. who she wanted to take her advice from. So I think that to see that we're still here is a miracle. Uh, to see that our sales are great is a miracle that I'm extraordinarily grateful for. But it has been one of the one of the I'd say the hardest thing you know me and my team and my and my co-founder have had to go through. Wow, I mean, congrats for surviving and thriving now because it's it's so tough, right? Do you see that as a trend? Because now everything's online shopping. Is there? Do you think wholesale is just gonna keep? dying and it's going to just be direct to consumer. 
How do you feel about that? I think that wholesale is definitely not dying. We see it coming back. It'll be changed. And obviously when you're in these places that can't reopen or you're open and you're closed and, you know, customer customers have had, you know, nine months to change their habits within the pandemic. So I think that we're going to, it's going to take time to go back, but I'm desperate to go out. You know, my husband texted me, he had to go Mm -hmm. to a Mac store to get his computer repaired. And he's like, it's so great to be in a mall, which I was like, I don't remember the last time I was in a mall, but you know, so I think it'll come back. People want that community. They, I, I love touching and feeling product. I don't just want a box at my door. That's so true. And also, Rebecca, in your typical schedule, where do you spend the most of your time? I want to know, like now in your company, what role do you play? Where does your time go? So for the most part, and this was a more of a bigger change that occurred after I had my third baby in the beginning of 2018, we, we knew that for me to spend 20 hours a week back in the design room worrying about, you know, the thread color or the zipper metal uh, or the fabric content of a bag. Uh, we knew that that wasn't the highest and best use of my time. And after uh, almost 15 years of making those decisions, I didn't feel the need to have to make them. So we really staffed up the design side with a team that is talented, creative, resourceful, that I can send my ideas, I can send my concepts, we can talk through themes, but I'm not managing the day-to-day. So that mm-hmm. freed me up in a huge way to be able to be more forward-facing, handle the marketing, the PR, launch my podcast, which is called Superwomen with Rebecca Minkoff, Mm -hmm. launch uh, a collective for female founders. So I'm truly taking more of a position of founder, visionary brand builder, uh, less just designer and able to spend more of my time doing that. So Mm -hmm. on any given day, I'm either recording a podcast, either as a guest or as a host, shooting content for our social or our emails, writing the copy for our emails because I do that, writing all the captions for social, directing the grid. Wow. You still do all that too. Yeah. Wow. Just finished writing a book, you know, ha- or have a magazine interview or, you know, so I'm, I'm very busy, just <laughs> not necessarily worrying about, you know, the ruffle on the front of your dress. Well, so you've moved from designer to more of like that visionary, that female leader, and also being a leader in this like female community. You said, you mentioned you led like female founder collective, right? Yes. What does this mean for where you want to go in the future. Does this, because it definitely feels different, right? You're leaving a different type of impact. Yeah. I mean, as much as I would love, you know, I think before it was the impact of, oh, I'll always be remembered as the woman who gave someone a great bag. But if I could have a, a larger legacy, you know, let's just say for my daughter to grow up in a world where women are more equal, women are paid the same as men, women have a mm-hmm. community to be a part of that supports them. I think that's a greater thing to be to go out on a note for, if you will, yeah. than than just a bag. So if I can do both, that's a great thing. Yeah. No, honestly, I I love it. It's very empowering, and I can see that like what you're doing now is going to resonate with people a lot more because you're literally directly speaking with them, and that in turn it, it brings people back to your brand. So it's a um, symbiotic in a way. They totally work together, right? Why not support yeah. the people that are supporting me? Yes. Awesome. Okay, so we have some questions from Instagram. The first question is, what qualities do you think makes up a good fashion designer? You know, it's all too often that I hear, uh, oh, you're so much nicer than I thought, or wow, you're so open <laughs> and honest. And I'm like, why is it, why is the devil wears Prada? not just what people think, but how so many people act. 
And coming from the outside and building my brand as an outsider, I just vowed that I would never be that person. So, Mm -hmm. you know, being nice, being humble, saying thank you. Yeah, that's nice. The next question is from Mira. She asked, how do you find your personal style? I feel like you should experiment, you know, with, even if you start with a Pinterest board, what are you drawn to? What do you like? How are people putting it together? Uh, If you don't know it innately and then, does that work for your body type? You know, there's there's a whole style in another world I'd love to have if, if I didn't have a D-sized chest, right? <laughs> yeah. If I didn't have to wear a bra, which is what I would love to have in life, you know, <laughs> I have a whole fantasy of how I would dress. So I think you also have to make sure that you're being – and some women might disagree and say that, you know, whatever body you are, you can wear whatever. I, I don't feel that way personally about my body, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, experiment. See, does it work? Does it work if you have really broad shoulders and a really large chest to also wear shoulder pads? I don't know. And then you'll start to see what you like and what you don't like. My my friend who's a stylist always recommends like take a picture because that's a good way to see mm-hmm. what it looks like without you in the mirror. And then once you've sort of figured out what you're drawn to, figured out that it works on you, then hopefully you can develop a language and then and know what you like. Mm, awesome. Okay, so I have some rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests at the end of the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so the first question is, what does your dream life look like? My dream life looks like if you could have Florida be next to New York, (laughs) you could have, I could have the balance where I feel like my children are having a much better uh, childhood as I'm sort of holing up the pandemic at my mom's Mm -hmm. house. But Mm -hmm. I thrive on the city. I thrive on the culture, the people, the, just the things that you get to bump into and that energy. And so- you know, how could I live my life oh. and give my children the life I think they need as little plants that are growing? Yeah. It's hard to find that balance, right? You're so yeah. you're such a New York girl. And then but raising kids is a different story. Yeah. And honestly, this pandemic, you know, it never would have I never would have been that person. I was like, I'll never leave New York. And I'm not leaving New York. But when we were forced, right. you know, to to the situation we're in now, it was just like, oh shoot. My children are thriving. How do I how do I rebuild my life in a way that I can be in New York? They can be here. Is the airplane my new mm, bus? Wow. And my, you know, yeah. what is my, you know, so kind of rethinking everything. Uh, very interesting. Okay, what is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? So I recently read. I would love to read more books. I am an avid bookworm, but it has been a little bit few and far between the last few years with kids, young kids. But I read um, Phil Knight's book, Nike. It was yeah. just great to hear what he went through and how he survived and, and how he made this company that's, you know, integrated into our lives so deeply. So definitely recommend that. Mm-hmm. What is one habit that has changed your life? So week one of the pandemic, I needed to move my body. So I now work out every day and I just feel more sane and more normal and just, I need it for my mental sanity. I love that. And you've been doing it since week one. You're amazing. <laughs> well, I, the first week I didn't do anything because we were in save our company mode. And prior yeah. to the pandemic, I was like, oh, twice a week, I can only find 20 minutes. I just don't know where I'd find the time. And then when the pandemic hit and I didn't have a commute, I didn't have to like wake my kids up, you know, extra early to get to school. I was like, oh, I got it. I got to use this time. So yeah, amazing. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? I think the best advice that I've ever received is just the idea that, you know, all ships rise with the tide. How do you help another person out? How do you, you know, not just try and go to the busiest Mm -hmm. person 
you know, at the table and ask for their help, but how do you sort of find mentorship within your peer group and make sure that as much as you're asking, you're also giving. Mm, I love that. And I can see how you're giving back now, right? You're helping all these women around you. Okay. So the last one is finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? My children. I think that when I had, you know, when I got pregnant, I only did it so that I truly was like, I'm only doing this. I'm not ready, but I want my parents and my kids to have a great relationship. And even throughout my first pregnancy, I was doubtful. Why did I do this? What was I ruining? I didn't want to be responsible for another person. And when my son was born, it was like, oh, the fourth dimension of love as I experience it is is this little baby. And I can't believe I waited this long. So <laughs> as much as they drive me crazy, I love them to death and I'm grateful to be their mom. I love that. I mean, can you speak a little bit about that? Being a, a career woman, a boss, but also having three kids. I mean, that can't be easy. How did you come to that decision? Because it, right? Can you do both is the question. You can do both and there's going to be sacrifices on both sides. You're going to sacrifice your sleep, mm-hmm. your friendships, missing your children. And then on the flip side, other people who don't have kids or who have a, you know, a drive that they don't need to see their kids as much are going to get ahead and potentially be more successful or steal your business. So no matter what, you're going to feel like mm. something has to give. And you have to get to a place where you're okay with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Because there's no, there's not a single person who hasn't sacrificed, whether it's, you know, an entrepreneur I, I met and she waited to have kids too late, right? Because she was just so focused on the business or someone mm-hmm. that had kids and fell behind, you know, because she wasn't at every party and every event or every whatever. You're going you're gonna to have it at some point. So how do you build a life that you're happy with, not, not what, what your idea of what it should be is? Right. And you said that when you had your first child, you weren't ready. So so what happened to determine that? Like, I'm just going to have it before I'm ready. I don't think you'll ever be ready, right? I mean, there are some people <laughs> right. that are ready and they want to, but I think when you're not, I can't tell you what will change your mind. You know, you just have mm-hmm. to, you have to go, okay, I, I wasn't ready, but I knew that I wanted my parents to have a long lasting relationship. So I yeah. can't really answer that for someone else. Yeah. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing that. So where can we find you online, Rebecca? You can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff. You can buy my clothing and bags and shoes and jewelry and watches and eyewear on RebeccaMinkoff.com. And you can listen and download my podcast. It's called Super Women with Rebecca Minkoff. Amazing. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being on the show. You are just such a powerhouse and I appreciate everything that you've done and continue to do. Thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Rebecca Minkoff. Now I just want to wrap up with some takeaways from our talk. The first takeaway is if you want to build a lasting business, you have to have staying power, always continuing, always getting up after you fall, doing your best to make it through any challenge like the pandemic, for example, and you just have to be super committed to it. The second takeaway is recognizing the trade-off between wanting to have a business that is growing and scaling versus having a more lifestyle business where you're growing at a slower pace, but you get to enjoy your life. So there are definitely pros and cons depending on which route you go, but ultimately it depends on what you want, what is important for you and the business that you want to have, the life that you want to have. 
The third takeaway is how tricky it can be to manage your brand's aesthetic evolution over time, especially in an industry like fashion where things are always changing, there are always new trends. How to stay true to your original brand instead of following the trends too much, like Rebecca Minkoff mentioned they did for a while, or even chasing something that is not you, like when they were trying to be in vogue and trying to do high fashion stuff. There's definitely always a balance that has to be made between staying true to your original brand, who your audience is, but also how to change and evolve over time. All right, that's it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it and I will talk to you next time. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.